what I really love? Coffee. A nice, strong, robust, effervescent cup of coffee. Mm. And if you'd like to buy me a cup of coffee, you can now do that if you head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Mind. There's no subscription plan, there's no membership, no hidden fees. It's literally just a cup of coffee. And if you head over and do that, it helps me grow this channel. It helps me continue producing content that you'd like to see and hear. And overall, it just makes me really appreciative. So if you'd like to buy me a coffee, head over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Mind. Thank you so much for your support, and I will see you on the next episode of Amedics Mind. Welcome to the Emetics Mind Podcast. Thank you very much for being here. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I'm doing great. Um, just kind of, just kind of struggling through with some writing. Um, working on my on my upcoming book, The Shirt, uh, tentatively titled, of course. Uh, I also have another project in the works that uh, I don't want to say anything about just yet because uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But um, it's kind of a project that I'm a little bit excited about, so I just wanted to. Uh, make mention of it. But yeah, anyway, that's what's kept me busy uh, along obviously with uh, life and uh, you know, the the summer's here. So I've been trying to find ways not to avoid the sun and not to uh, hide and uh, withdraw from the world as I often do during summertime and during warmer months. Uh, been working pretty tough and pretty diligently on that. And um, as such though, uh, it does give me time to, uh, to, you know, find different avenues and different places to read. So I, I often try to sit outside with my dogs and uh, bring my phone up there and I read some articles and, and things like that. And I bring a book out and I read a book, uh, when I'm able to, uh, when I'm able to concentrate enough on that. And, uh, that kind of brings me to what I wanted to talk about today. I came across some controversy, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, controversy. So the controversy is as such, okay? It, it's around trigger warnings. Now, I really don't like the term triggers. I don't really like trigger warnings. I understand them conceptually, like uh, in a logical sense, I understand them and I understand why they uh, are a thing. That being said, it, it's just on a personal, very subjective level that I, I, I find them to be um, somewhat unnecessary, uh, sometimes overutilized and oftentimes misunderstood. And, uh, and this particular trigger warning, uh, topic that I want to talk about, uh, comes straight from Hollywood folks. Yeah. It comes right out of Hollywood. Uh, there's a movie out right now. You may have heard of it. It's called Thor for love and thunder. And, uh, it stars the very handsome Chris Hemsworth and the unbelievably beautiful Natalie Portman. And, uh, I was scrolling along Twitter, which is a terrible idea. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. Don't go to Twitter. It's not worth it. It's not a good place. It's a terrible place. Pretty sure here. Okay. Segway for a second. Here's the thing about Twitter. I think Twitter is 90% or 99% bots. I really believe that. I don't care if I look at a, a profile and it seems very real and it says, you know, Sally from, you know, South Dakota, soccer mom, lover of dogs, uh, you know, go Democrats, right? I, 
I just don't believe it. I think it's a bot. I really do. I think Twitter is 90% bots. The whole concept of Twitter and its whole modus operandi to survive is to create controversy. And, uh, and if you think about it, um, Twitter is talked about uh, vehemently on both the left and the right, uh, politically speaking. And, uh, you know, Twitter is the sinew that binds both of those polarizations, uh, to one another, right? It's, it's the, it's the, the new modern day gladiator arena. However, there's just not, it's vapid. There's nothing there. There's nothing of substance there. Um, it can't, the only thing I'll give Twitter is you can get some access to immediate information. The immediacy of which information is relayed in, in real time, uh, is very much uh, alive on Twitter. And that's one thing that, uh, that I'll give it credit for. And that's the only thing I'll give it credit for outside of that. It's a terrible place. Don't ever go to it. Not, not good, but, uh, Twitter. So, uh, the controversy comes in, in the form of this, uh, a, a Twitter user, came on and uh, and said, wow, they need to put a trigger warning in Thor, Love and Thunder. There is a deeply emotional scene in there. Don't want to give away any spoilers, but it could be really upsetting for some people. And I was like, what? Thor, a Marvel movie? So I had to investigate a bit further. And uh, what it is, and uh, here's, here's uh, I'll give some spo- spoiler warning, spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the movie and want to see the movie, uh, just maybe skip about five minutes into the podcast and get, get past this. Okay. Uh, but uh, those of you who don't care about spoiler warnings, um, and I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not, uh, you know, giving away anything that's, that's truly, uh, you know, plot relative. And is your support, your spoiler warnings there. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Here we go. So uh, basically, one of the characters in the the movie, uh, Thor Love and Thunder, uh, develops cancer, and it's terminal cancer. And I guess there is a scene in the movie where this individual uh, is near death and in a hospital room, and it's a very, uh, I guess, well done and emotional scene. And so uh, now there's a big debate as to whether or not a trigger warning should be there because it could be upsetting to people. Um, here's my belief and my take on it. Uh, no. I don't think so. Uh, trigger, like I said before, I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, I understand why they exist. But the thing is, if you're going to put a trigger warning on a Marvel movie for a scene uh, that could be upsetting, and it's it's designed to be upsetting. That's the thing. It's designed to be emotionally intensive. That's the purpose behind a scene like that. And so if you're going to put a trigger warning there, then you're going to need to put a trigger warning on everything because you can't possibly imagine what every single person in the world is going to be impacted by. So therefore, trigger warnings are going to need to go on absolutely everything, which will then render them completely useless because they will be used ubiquitously. And therefore, the efficacy of those things are going to be moot. And so, um, no, I don't think so. You can't you can't protect yourself from the world. Okay, and you can't expect the world to dampen itself or dull itself to you. And what I mean by that is, uh, as somebody who lives in a world and has PTSD, I find the world to be a pretty tough place sometimes. Um, when I go grocery shopping with my with my girlfriend, um, and we, we we finish, and I, I generally can stay in the grocery stores now, and I can generally push the cart and generally tolerate things fairly well. Uh, when things are busy, it gets a little bit uh, dicey, but uh, on the way home, I generally fall asleep in the car. Uh, almost 90% of the time, I fall asleep in the car because I'm so overloaded stimulate, like by stimulation um, that, that I'm I, I, a huge adrenaline dump, but I'm done. I'm out. Okay. 
I don't expect the the grocery store to have a, a trigger label on the sliding doors that says uh, this may be disturbing for some viewers or this may be overstimulating for some uh, you know patrons. Uh, enter at risk, right? Like it's not it's not the world's job to curtail itself for me because the world is what it is. The world is a constant. It's not a holy good or holy bad. It just is how it is, and it's not there. Uh, pointed against you. And so therefore the world should not have to be curtailed to you. It shouldn't be tailored to you, right? It's our job, our job as individuals to fit into the world or carve out sections of that world as, as well as, you know, um, blending into, to certain social, uh, arenas. And, uh, and so therefore, you know, I can't, I can't expect the world to uh, constantly have trigger warnings because there are so many things in the world that trigger me um, and and set me off. And again, I hate the word trigger, but there's so many things, you know, I don't know when a random smell is going to hit me and set me into a flashback or an auditory hallucination or whatever the case may be. I can't decide if a random guy walking down the the sidewalk is going to look like Starker uh, or Boomer or Wilmot um, or some of the patients that um, unfortunately have left an impact on me. I can't, I can't choose that. And I can't tell that person, Hey, you resemble this, this, this individual. You need to walk around with this red sticker that says trigger warning. Cause you might look like other people. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. And when you live in, in that world, when you have that prism and you're looking through the prism of, of thinking that the world needs to change for you, you're going to be constantly agitated and disappointed because the world is not going to change and nor should it. Right. So you're going to be living in this constant state of, of disappointment and uh, you're going to vituperate against things because it's just not going your way. Uh, you know, Thor Love and Thunder has a PG rating, right? Or, or a rating system. I don't actually know the rating of it, but as a rating system, right? And that gives you a general idea of what audiences it's suited for. And so therefore there's, there's a bit of a warning right there. And when you go into this thing, um, you, you know that when you enter a movie, you might be emotionally impacted by it, be it a funny movie or a sad movie, right? Uh, I mean, the notebook, does that deserve a trigger warning because of, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, for, for anybody who's been impacted by that and, you know, either directly or, uh, having a family member. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's ridiculous. It doesn't need that. Um, I grew up with a mother who was, who was very ill with, with cancer and I spent many, many hours in a hospital room and watched my mother uh, endure many, many months and years of radiation and chemotherapy and other treatment modalities that really uh, almost crippled her body at times. And uh, it's a weird thing as a young boy watching your mother lose all of her hair. And uh, in my mother's case specifically, she lost both breasts and uh, subsequently afterwards lost her uterus. And so there was a big portion um, of her subjective womanhood that she battled with uh, after those, those losses. And as a young man, it was tough to see. It's tough to watch. And so anytime I see uh, cancer in a movie or a show, um, it, it's, it, it brings about some rumination. It's not dangerous. It's not overpowering. It just is how it is. And, uh, you know, uh, I also grew up in a, an abusive house. Um, my childhood was not, uh, you know, the, the best in the world, uh, most certainly not the worst, but definitely not the best. And, uh, 
you know, uh, my father was not really a great man. He was uh, arrested and taken from our home when I was eight uh, or nine. And, um, and he, was abu- he was an abusive guy. And uh, there's, there's this book that I read uh, in, my, uh, in my younger times, you know, my kind of mid to late 20s. And it's called The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And uh, it's actually been turned into a movie. Now, the movie is quite different from the book. The book is written as a series of journal entries, and it kind of takes you on a journey that way. And it's it's actually pretty clever uh, the way it's done. And the, the movie highlights on these journal entries, but of course it can't kind of, the movies have to be different, right? Inherently. And, uh, and so it, it basically just touches on these journal entries, but basically again, minor spoiler warnings here for the perks of being a wallflower. If you haven't seen it, uh, one of the characters is, uh, kind of an odd kid, an oddball out, kind of the nerd or whatever, unsure of himself. And throughout the the show, it kind of gives hints that this individual has been through something very troubling and very traumatic. And as the story progresses and his character develops more, uh, more and more of those things are re- revealed to you uh, until the final reveal, which is a shock and awe reveal of what happened to this kid. And it hits you like a ton of bricks, whether you've been directly impacted by what this kid has been through or not. It's, it's designed to hit you and it's designed to evoke emotional response. And the, the biggest problem I find with these trigger warnings and the idea behind the trigger warnings is that it promotes, uh, advocacy for the, uh, the mitigation of feeling, right? The, the hiding of feeling and the put the pushing away of feelings and the protection of feelings. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, it, it, it sort of advocates for instead of confronting and navigating and going through those feelings in a healthy way, it promotes the, uh, you know, uh, putting up a barrier and a shield and defense against it and pushing them away as though they don't exist. And I spent years of my life doing that. Uh, I spent years of my life drinking and, and floundering in a bottle, trying to push away feelings. And I still battle with pushing away feelings and, and things when it comes to trauma processing. I, I push things and I, I have a hard time engaging because it is very difficult work and uh, emotions are very difficult at times, but we have to navigate them. We have to feel them. We have to go through that because at the end of the day, if we don't, we're not going to process it and it's still going to live within us. It's still there. It's just going to manifest in different ways, i.e. substance abuse or poor interpersonal skills, uh, abuse, so on and so forth. The, the, the consequence of not dealing with things that are bothersome to you, i.e. triggers, uh, the consequences of that are dire and they are numerous, plethoric, and, and it, it is something that therapy has taught me uh, as I've gone through that you have to confront things. And the other thing that therapy taught me is that nothing lasts forever. So even when you're in a situation that is deeply unsettling and uncomfortable, such as the loss of a loved one, uh, or um, ruminations or flashbacks or PTSD, nothing is forever, right? I'm always going to have PTSD to to a degree, but it's the symptoms that, that come with PTSD that aren't going to be forever, right? I, I'm already exponentially better now in this day, in this age than what I was four or five years ago, exponentially better. I, if you had told me four or five years ago that this version of me is going to exist and is going to function in the world and is going to be sober, I would have laughed you out of the building and told you that you're an absolute joke because there's no way that what you were saying was real, but 
It is. And the only way I got here was by processing feelings, feeling feelings instead of pushing them away and pretending they don't exist or putting up external barriers against them. That's not the way to go. And I find that uh, not not all uh, advocacy for trigger warnings is is designed for that, but the the unfortunate side effect of of this um, colloquy right now of, of demanding trigger warnings for for basically everything is that yes, this is this is going to be a byproduct. Is that people are going to advocate for just not you know you should be able to go somewhere and not feel anything, hence the safe space. Well, I mean, safe spaces can exist while having some emotional. Uh, issues within them, right? Um, a therapist's office, for example, is a safe place, but it is the most emotionally draining and difficult experience that an individual can go through when they give themselves over to it. But it doesn't mean that a therapist is not safe and that the office is not safe. So uh, the concept of a safe space, meaning that you're never impacted by anything in this utopia, utopias don't exist, folks. Maybe in books, maybe in fiction, but utopias don't exist in the real world. And in the real world, you're going to be impacted by any emotion throughout any given day. You know, you could go to work and be the happiest you've ever been. And then all of a sudden your boss comes in and hits you with like, you know, an extra 15 hours of work. So all of a sudden you got to give up your weekend and now your family has to go to the cabin without you or they have to, you get to miss your son or daughter's ball game. You know, and, and now your weakest, you know, you're now you went from being as high as you could be to as low as you can be. But those things, none of those things last forever. That low, low isn't going to last forever, right? It's, it, you know, it might feel a little bit more weighted and a little bit more pervasive than, than the others, but it, it doesn't last forever and it goes and it goes away. And so that's why I disagree with the uh, prospect or the notion of putting a trigger warning at the beginning of Thor love and thunder. Yeah. There's a tough scene in there. Yeah. There's, there's a scene that's emotionally, uh, uh, draining and, and emotionally responsive. So be it, but it doesn't mean that it's bad, right? Because it causes emotion. Causing emotion doesn't mean it's bad. Some stories are designed to cause emotion. There's, there's many books out on the market right now, uh, written by indigenous authors that talk about their experience in the residential school system. I don't see how they can tell their story without it being an emotionally intensive experience. Right. And, and your job as a reader uh, or as a consumer is to absorb that that emotion that they're that they're relaying to you, uh, transpose it to yourself and do what you will with it. Right. You don't have to live within it. I mean, the great thing about books when I'm reading something that is deeply unsettling, I have the option of just not reading further and closing that book. And I've done that plenty of times. That to me is living within a safe space because I'm creating a safe space myself. Uh, I know it's too much for me. So I put it down. I just say, Kate, it's not for me, but I don't then go and start a campaign saying, Hey, this book, man, this book was really hard for me to read. So it needs a trigger warning. And cause these other people could No, it's my responsibility as an individual to handle, tolerate, and decide what I can and cannot tolerate and what I will and will not tolerate. It's not up to the world to change for me. All right. It's just not, that's not a feasible model. It's not a realistic expectation. And so therefore, when it comes to trigger warnings, if you've ever wondered what my stance is, this is my stance. I completely and wholly disagree with them. Uh, I understand them. I get it. Uh, but sometimes you just need to understand that, you know, you're going to be impacted by something foreseen or unforeseen because that's how the world is. It just is. So 
Anyway, that's how I feel about that. Uh, I just wanted to jump on and talk to you guys a little bit about that and get a podcast out this week. Working on some stuff, some story-driven podcasts uh, should be coming up soon. And uh, yeah, anyway, I hope you guys like it. Uh, Just as a a point of reference for whoever's listening to this, uh, there is a book signing coming up for me and my Medic's Mind book. It's at Chapters Indigo in Kamloops. Um, and it is between one and 3 PM on July 30th. Uh, so keep the date July 30th between one and 3 PM at chapters Indigo Kamloops come and get a book signed. And also here's a, here's a cool thing. Uh, any book that you buy from me, uh, on that day, I will sign it. Of course, we can have a picture whatever you like, but all of the money, all of the proceeds from that book signing go directly into the charity for love of reading, which gives back to local, uh, the local community and helps kids that would otherwise be unable to obtain books and, and, and learn to read gives them the opportunity to read because these books are now bought and paid for via the charity. So it goes to schools, uh, they go out to, and, and it's nationwide. It's not just Kamloops. It goes everywhere. It goes up to the first nations, uh, places way up in remote Northern places like Ontario in, in remote, uh, Northern Ontario, sorry, as well as, you know, communities in and around Kamloops as well. So it's local and it's far. So if you're in the area, please come get a book signed July 30th, between one and 3 PM at the chapters Indigo. I will see you guys there. Be well, be safe, and above all else, keep talking to each other. I'll talk to you in the next episode of A Medic's Mind. Journey with me in the mind of a medic. Oh. Journey with me in the mind of a medic. Cause that's my everyday.